Today on Ag News Daily. It's truly plug and play. And when we developed this, we had to think who our customer was. And our customer, their main goal is to focus on taking care of the animals, not mess, you know, messing with technology, having a huge learning curve. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Tuesday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined today by Dosh and Schmidt. Dosh and we had a three-day weekend here with Memorial Day weekend. Feels a little weird to be back in the swing of things today working, doesn't it? Sure does. I kind of thought today was Monday, of course, and I coming out of the weekend, I knew I was going to do that, but even thinking about it, I still kind of thought, you know, today might have been a full week, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate having a shortened week this week to try and get back into the swing of things, but I tell you what, the markets today certainly did not think today was a Monday. They thought it was a turnaround Tuesday. We'll talk about that here briefly in just a moment. But in the meantime, Dawson, we've got to talk about some ag news today because there have been some actually pretty big headlines here across the news wires today for this Tuesday afternoon. Where do you want to kick things off at? JBS is making major headlines, especially over the weekend coming into Monday. Uh, It was first reported, I think, Sunday, and then a lot of outlets were really kicking it off and really filling up the news wire. But JBS uh, was caught by a cyber attack over the weekend Uh, really pausing operations. And today, uh, the company sent home workers, uh, not really even giving much information on what was going on. But really, they're really slowing down cattle production. And that kind of really sent cattle prices tumbling today. Yeah, they certainly did, Dawson. Um, And I guess I don't have a whole lot extra to add to that. Because like you said there, that happened over Memorial Day weekend. So we're just kind of starting to hear what this implication is going to be for the market. But we've seen facilities in the U.S. We've seen facilities in Canada. And I believe some facilities in Australia have had to halt beef and lamb harvest. So we could see a little disruption in the supply chain here, depending on how long we see things shut down for. But really, JBS hasn't put forth a lot of public statement to tell us what the timeline looks like for them to get back up and operating. Correct. And with that, they also kind of This actually comes after the whole cyber attack on the Colonial Pipeline, too, where I think they ended up paying a ransom of about $5 million. Uh, But JBS also hasn't really released any information on, you know, as to who that came from and, you know, what they might have been after as far as maybe getting a ransom. And really, like you said, we're just waiting on a lot more information that might come up later. Absolutely. And I'm going to switch tracks here just a little bit to talk a little bit more about market implications today. Like I said there, we had a little bit of a turnaround Tuesday today after the three-day holiday weekend. Markets were explosive this morning, and I think June corn touched limit up at one point in the day. We didn't finish on those highs, but we did see a lot of reaction today this morning early on due to some weather concerns or quite a few weather concerns really going on right now. But this one just kills me. Over the weekend, I was on Twitter and happened to see some farmers sharing that in the Dakotas and even other parts of the country. I think Northwest Iowa had quite a bit of frost as well starting to see some farmers having to replant some soybean acres due to frost. So that's pretty unfortunate. And then I know, Dawson, you were looking at some longer-term weather patterns here, too, that are going to be a complete 180 compared to the frost we're seeing. That's right. And really, there's a lot of mixed feelings on this. Some people are saying that this weather may not last too long. Others are saying that it will. 
Um, and besides farmers replanting, we're also having farmers that are deciding not to plant. Uh, one farmer in in California said that they are opting not to plant a third of their 2,000 acre farm uh, of their melon crop. So that's not really something we cover much, but really it just shows that there are a lot of people that are choosing not to plant. They don't want to risk, you know, losing more money than what they're already losing. Yeah. And that just seems to be a common theme right now. Well, I mean, you think about folks out there in California, I can imagine that they could potentially lose more money than maybe what they'd make in a year, especially because that portion of the country is still dealing with a lot of uh, drought stress out there. I think that's potentially going to be the weather pattern here to continue is that it's going to be hot and dry, not only in that portion of northwest United States, but also here into the upper and northern plains as well as into the Midwest. We're, I think, going to be seeing some hot and dry weather here moving forward. So yeah, frost one day and then 90 degree weather the next. That's uh, not not too fun. But, uh, you know, while we're talking about weather here, we talked on Friday about how Brazil was heading into a state of emergency there for a lot of their prime safrina crop growing areas. And while we don't necessarily have an update on that, we did see Ag Rural cut production estimates for Brazil's safrina corn crop yet again, now down to 60 million tons as compared to their 65.1 million ton number as of May 6th. So we're continuing to see a lot of issues going on down there in South America. I'm actually going to be chatting with Eric Snodgrass later on here at Trader, later on today here at Trader PhD. We actually do that. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast, but I get a chat with Eric about once a week to talk about weather and you can bet your bottom that that's going to be a topic we talk about today. So uh, weather is certainly going to be a continuing story here throughout this growing season, that's for sure. And despite all of the weather woes that we're kind of seeing, the USDA released a report that will raise uh, U.S. agricultural exports to a record of $164 billion, and that's actually up $7 billion from last year. Um, on top of that, imports are also going up at $141.8 billion. Um, something that sticks out with that is that China, of course, is going to remain a top competitor for U.S. exports, um, reaching uh, a total of $35 billion for this year, uh, and that's up from $3.5 billion from the February forecast. Now, a lot of those exports are also driven by pretty much what they've already been what they've already been scooping up with soybeans, corns, uh, especially beef as well. After all of their um, all of their struggles with their African swine fever, that has really been putting a struggle on pork production. Yeah, and I think we're going to continue to see that struggle here throughout 2021 into 2022. And while we're on the topic of pork here, I'll throw in another quick little plug here. We're going to be folks at the World Pork Expo next week. You can catch up with Ashton and I. Dawson and I are also going to be manning the Trader PhD booth, so I'll just throw that quick little plug in there as well. But yeah, we saw, I think, June lean hogs, if not maybe July as well, touch some new contract highs today. Do you remember, Dawson? Yeah, so June lean hogs, they did touch a uh, new contract high I believe just under 119 or yeah 119 dollars per hundred weight so that is kind of you know despite cattle not seeing much action going up you know June and lean ho or lean hogs at least are still getting a boost yeah they certainly are and I think that boost is going to continue here for quite some time I don't know when that's going to fizzle out there we'll be sure to keep folks updated on that but 
I have uh, just one other quick piece of news here, talking USDA. For those producers who have planted cover crops here in 2021, USDA announced a new program on Tuesday that could allow cover crop acreage to be eligible for the new pandemic cover crop program, which is offered by the USDA's Risk Management Agency. Now, this is a brand new program. And the point of it, obviously, is to cultivate cover crops and watch some of that sustainability factor grow. But this is also part of their new Pandemic Assistance for Producers initiative, which is basically a bunch of different programs that will allow financial assistance to farmers and ranchers uh, who fell basically felt impact of COVID-19. And this is obviously a little different than how President Trump rolled programs out there for COVID-19 problems, but this is just one of many programs I'm sure we'll see rolled out here. But qualifying cover crops, again, planted in the 2021 growing season, will include cereals, grasses, legumes, non-legume broadleafs, and mixes of two or more cover crop species planted at the same time. So, of course, I am no expert here on this Folks, talk to your local FSA agency. You need to get registered by June 15th to qualify for this program. So if that's something that is of interest to you, sounds like it's free dollars. So I know we don't like taking handouts, but uh, it is eligible or it is there. And if you are eligible, it might not be a bad idea to look into. But I tell you what, I am out of news, Dawson. What other news are you watching t- for today? I don't really think I have any more right now. All right. Well, let's chat markets then, because like I said there, we had some excitement today across the board in all commodities, especially in the grain markets today. Touched limit up today, but couldn't quite follow through. July corn contract up 30.5 cents to close at 6.88 and three quarters. The Dece up 31.5 cents to close at 5.77. Soybeans had big moves to the upside today as well, with the July contract adding 18 cents to close at 15.48 and a half. November new crop adding 24 and a quarter cent to close at 13.97. In Chicago wheat today, also big moves to the upside with the July contract adding 30 cents to close at 693 and a half. The September up 30 cents as well to close at 697 and a quarter. Now livestock are is where we saw some weakness today, more specifically the cattle complex as Dawson and I were just talking about there due to JBS concerns and again that concern that feed costs are going to continue to rise for protein farmers. June live cattle today down two dollars thirty two and a half cents to close at one thirteen fifty five. The August down two dollars to close at one sixteen sixty. In feeder cattle, the August contract shed two dollars twenty cents to close at one forty nine fifteen. September down a dollar fifty five to close at one fifty one ninety seven and a half. And in lean hogs today, as we mentioned, they touched some fresh contract highs here. Didn't finish quite on those highs, but still continue to put in some healthy gains. June lean hogs added a dollar thirty seven and a half today to close at one eighteen sixty two and a half. The July up thirty cents to close at one nineteen sixty five. Now for today's interview, we're tag teaming it here. Gonna pass it over to Ashton, who had a conversation today with Barn Tools. Well, for today's Tech Tuesday, after the long weekend, we are talking to Michael Hansen, who is the co-founder of Barn Tools. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So, Michael, before we get started talking about Barn Tools here, which I'm pretty excited to do, let's hear a little bit more about your background and how the idea of the company came to be. Sure. So, 
I've been in the swine industry my whole life. I grew up in my family business, Iowa Select Farms, and uh, and have always been involved. And at the same time, I've always had a passion for technology. And I, I feel like in the recent years, uh, this this domain experience and this and this passion have converged and and presented some cool opportunities. And it all started back when we ran some ASF simulations uh, with the state vet uh, practicing for a foreign animal disease. And I noticed that the state vet was requiring a lot of data um, in order to prove negative, continue, continuing to move pigs and carry on with the business. And a lot of producers were struggling uh, to, to get that data and to do so in a timely manner. And so we looked at how we could do that. And we, we built a biosecurity software called uh, Barn360. And then from there, uh, that, that kind of was the seed that planted itself. And, and from there, we realized, okay, maybe that's not the only set of data we need to be capturing. Why don't we capture stuff from the barn as well? If we could do that in a cost-effective um, automated way, then I think there was, there was a ton of potential there. And so we focused on sensors. And today we're, we're launching Barn Talk and are trying to help producers get data out of the barns. So Michael, when we're talking about the technology that Barn Tools is offering, we are talking about this gateway and the sensors that you guys have that folks can purchase. And then, you know, you have your subscription to use these services. So let's talk a little bit more about what it is that you guys are monitoring and how that technology works. Today, smart home technology is ubiquitous, right? And whether you have a Nest um, thermostat, a ring doorbell. And we said, okay, well, why don't we make the barn smart? And so we're out on a mission to make the barn smart. And we started by collecting temperature, humidity, monitoring power in the barn, and, and getting core environmental data uh, to ensure that the livestock is protected and uh, well looked after remotely. That's probably a poor answer, Ashton, but. (laughs) No, it is all good. We'll go a little bit further into that, I think here in a moment, but anyway, here we go. Now, Michael, when we're talking about the sensors that you guys are, are using, is it easy for folks to kind of put this together at home? Because really, that's essentially what they're doing. They're putting this system into play at their own operation. So, I mean, I, I assume that you think it's pretty easy since you're kind of working with this and you develop this technology. But from a farmer perspective, how easy is it for folks to actually use this technology? It's truly plug and play. And when we develop this we had to think who our customer was. And our customer, their main goal is to focus on taking care of the animals, not mess, you know, messing with technology, having a huge learning curve. And one of the key differentiators of Barn Talk is that it is truly wireless. So you don't need to pay an electrician to come in and wire your barn or trench wire between buildings. Uh, you, you plug it in you hang the sensors and you're online. So we really thought about the user experience first before we went out and developed the technology. 
Gotcha. I think it's always nice to hear from companies that are actually really invested on their customers' experiences. So that's you know really great to hear. But other than this sensor system, you guys have Barn Talk. So why don't you walk us through what that app is like? So Barn Talk is the app that presents all the data that we connect or collect from the sensors in the barn. And today we're an alarm system. So if anything happens, uh, we will bring a notification to your phone, send a text message and call. If you don't answer, we work our way down the call tree and call the next person in line and let them know that there's something wrong. But that's only the beginning. The vision I have is this is really a smart box to collect any sort of data we want. And so today we're that alarm system uh, with a with a smartphone app, but tomorrow we're looking at some bigger data opportunities where maybe if we can find a correlation between uh, you know, temperature, humidity, and feed motor runtime, uh, we could start to do some pretty cool predictive analytics as well. Well, that sounds fantastic, Michael. And when we're talking about a connection here, you guys are using the cloud. Is that correct? Correct. So, Michael, with this cloud connection, how strong is um, is the connection for farmers? I mean, people are out um, in an urban setting or not urban. Let me pick that up. Rural. Well, yes. <laughs> Folks are out in rural settings, and I mean, a lot of folks have been talking about broadband access and things of that nature when we're talking about infrastructure. So how does this connection work? Yeah, so going back to putting the user first and the user experience, uh, we really we really um, honed in who is our customer and where are they at? And so if you look, Rural America is the last to get broadband. So we built a system that does not require broadband to work. In fact, it comes with the internet embedded. So as soon as you turn on that box, it will find the nearest cell phone tower, um, irregardless of which carrier, and will find the strongest signal and then start talking to the cloud. And this gives farmers one, an opportunity to kill the phone line or go back to their provider and get rid of the the data plan they're, they're purchasing today for their current alarm system. But the way we set this up, I always like to refer to if you're streaming a video on Netflix, that's the size of a loaf of bread. If you're sending data from Barn Talk, that's a breadcrumb. So we don't need the latest 5G technology. This is true rural technology that we can we can use in areas that do not have strong cell signal. Well, Michael, like I said earlier, you have a fee to actually get the the gateway and the sensors, and then you have your subscription. So why don't you walk us through those prices for those farmers who might be interested in seeking out something from Barn Tools? The Barn Tools starter kit is $1,500, though our official launch is at World Pork, and we are offering some pretty steep discounts. Um, The $1,500 box comes with four sensors, two indoor temperature sensors, one humidity, and one outdoor temperature sensor. The box has a battery backup built in. So if the power does go out in your barn, uh, there's a 30-hour battery life, and we continue to communicate with the cloud. The subscription is $49 a month. But the subscription includes that connectivity. So when you turn your box on, uh, we're talking to the internet, and we provide the internet 
um, with the subscription. We found that internet today, uh, farmers are paying anywhere from 40 to $70 for either a phone line or a data plan to get internet to their barn. We provide that, we provide a mobile app and store historical data all in that $49 a month subscription. Awesome. Well, Michael, if our listeners want to reach out to you or find out any other information about Barn Tools, where can they find you guys at online? BarnTools.com. There's plenty of places to opt in to learn more. Uh, We'd love to have a conversation. We'll also be at World Pork booth V111. Well, awesome, Michael. Hopefully we'll get a chance to meet up at World Pork Expo because Delaney and I will be there as well. Uh, But for those who aren't going to be there, they can, of course, find you online and get all the details there. But thank you again so much for coming on and talking to us today and good luck with the launch next week. Thank you very much for having me. Well, again, a big thank you there to them for coming on today and sharing a little bit about their company. It sounds like they're going to be launching at the World Pork Expo. I was chatting with Ashton a little bit there. So she's going to be doing some exciting stuff on social media for Ag News Daily coming up here at the World Pork Expo. That's in just a week. It's hard to hard to believe we're going to be there in a week, Dawson. I know. It seems like it's coming up really fast. We had quite a bit of time to prepare for it for Trader PhD, but yeah, it sounds like, you know, that's going to be upon us uh, before we know it. It absolutely is, folks. I hope that some of you will be out there at the World Pork Expo event. I think it's going to be exciting. I think we're going to see a lot of people out at that event just because it's really kind of the biggest event we've seen here since uh, the COVID lockdown. And I think farmers and people in agriculture are going to be itching to get out and uh, get some of that face-to-face interaction. So folks, be sure to follow along with us on social media so you can catch up with us at the World Pork Expo. Or if you're not able to attend, follow along with us on social media and see what we're up to at Ag News Daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Dawson, with that, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.